Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb Smith. And I'm Terrell Couch. And today, we're dangerously likely to talk about modern escapism. Let's go above the fold with this week's headlines. On Tuesday, a gunman walked into an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, and killed 14 children and a teacher. At the time of this recording, it is believed that the police killed the gunman. The shooting is the deadliest shooting at an elementary school since the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newtown, Connecticut in 2012. As we are recording, more details are coming out about the investigation that has followed the shooting. When this comes out, a motive may already be discovered. Here at Dangerously Likely, our hearts go out to the victims' families. These tragedies are all too common in America, and I hope our voices can help have the conversations necessary to drive the change that we so desperately need as a nation in regards to our gun laws. Trell, would you like to add anything? Um, I appreciate your sentiments. I think we have to be based in reality, which is ironic with what we're going to talk about later in the episode, but nothing's going to change, right? We, we know that nothing's going to change. Um, Especially in, not in Texas. In three days from now, there's going to be an NRA um, meeting in Houston. And Donald Trump, Governor Abbott, and Ted Cruz are all slated to be at this conference. Pending anything changing, recognizing that today is Tuesday. Um, and these are very rapidly changing events. <clears throat> but I think... I think it's hard to not be angry and also to not be frustrated that the first person we have to hear from is Greg Abbott, who not even two weeks ago, after hearing word that Roe v. Wade might be overturned, started laying the groundwork to attack minoritized populations when it comes to education and make an argument that states don't have to provide education to minoritized populations. On top of that, we have a Republican party that's saying we need to stop giving baby formula to illegals and give it to American children. Um, This elementary school is located in a community that is 90% um, Hispanic, very close to the border with a high immigration population. And um, one commentator noted that because it's in Texas, parents have to be cautious if they can even show up to make sure that their child is alive and safe um, out of fear of deportation if they do not have the appropriate status. Like These are the realities that we need to be talking about and we need to recognize. And if the Republican Party is going to really stand up with their thoughts and prayers and say that this is a mental health problem and that we need to be adjusting and figuring out behavioral health, then the Democrats and us as a collective need to be pushing on that party and saying, fine, then pass back the human infrastructure part of the build back better, build back better agenda, because that human infrastructure is what's missing in this country so that people don't feel threatened enough that they need to steal just so they know that they have food on the table so that they have resources to get the behavioral health and mental health training um, and services that the GOP thinks is going to solve this uh, epidemic that we see in in gun violence. If we as a country really want to see substantive change, we have to stop playing this game and expecting for the other side, and I'm going to say this very specifically because I am on the left, we have to stop pretending that the other side 
can just get away with being wrong because this is what happens. They've laid the groundwork to attack minoritized populations. We cannot ignore what happened in Buffalo. I'm not assuming or making any assumptions that those connect by any means, um, but we know what's coming. And we we also know that in Texas specifically, there's already an intentional act to discriminate against and cause harm for our trans community. All of these points matter. And that's what I think needs to be talked about, not to devalue the lives that were lost, especially as they're young children, which truly breaks my heart. That's why I'm kind of losing my voice now. Um, But we have to be angry about the right things. I think that's well put. Yeah. I, you know, I think you're right. Unfortunately, that at least nothing soon is going to change. And in a state like Texas, it's not going to change. It's just going to, I don't know, go into some bullshit call for Republicans to try and make it so teachers should have guns or more people should have guns instead of actually facing the root of the issue. Um, You know, I'm usually optimistic about this stuff (laughs) in terms of like, like I, we all are sitting here knowing that there's some relatively easy laws that you can pass that doesn't infringe on your second amendment right that makes it harder for people like this to get guns that would that would maybe not solve all the shootings and mass shootings that we experience in america but it would definitely hamper them quite a bit Mm -hmm. and there's just an outright i don't even think when you said um that the other side is wrong i know your point is was there and i'm I'm adding to it. I, the other side's not wrong. They're intentionally doing this stuff. Yeah. It's all a very intentional ploy. Um, They're still on the wrong side of history was the, the point that I was carrying. Oh, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. It is just absolutely heartbreaking. An elementary school. I just like, I don't know. I don't know. Why would anyone do that? You know, but anyways, let's move on. Uh, now for a little bit of a legislative roundup, I have two quick stories that I want to get your take on. The first is about a $28 million aid package to the FDA to address the baby formula shortage. Nearly all Republicans in the house opposed the measure except for, I believe 12, even though they criticized Biden for not doing enough on the issue. President Biden, it should be noted, invoked the defense production act to ramp up domestic manufacturing of baby formula to ease the shortage. The second is about a bill that gives the Federal Trade Commission the authority to investigate whether or not energy companies are price gouging consumers at the gas pumps all across the all across the country. All Republicans and four Democrats voted against the bill, Mm -hmm. but it still passed. Republicans in both cases have used the argument that these bills do not address the root of the problem and that Biden should be doing more, even though these bills actually help Biden do more to address these issues. (laughs) I think it's worth highlighting from time to time what happens to some legislation in Congress and how that translates into like a political strategy. And so Terrell, what are your thoughts on these um, two bills passing despite Republican opposition? And what do you think Republicans hope to gain with these no votes? I don't know if it's anything that they hope to gain, but again, I'm just going to keep beating the drum about November. Um, I've just seen far too many progressives complain about the Democrats aren't doing enough or um, their lives aren't exponentially better. And I really think I'm 
blurring the line between what we're going to talk about later and where I'm feeling right now. But um, the shooting just really frustrates me. Um, yeah. We, if you really feel that way, if you are a progressive and really believe that the idea of allowing the Democrats to stay in the House and have a, a larger majority in the Senate is really that detrimental to you moving forward, these are the bills you need to be thinking about. You need to understand that the opposition party, this extremist party, is saying in very clear terms that they want American children, and we all know these dog whistles, white children, to be having baby formula, not minoritized children. So they're willing to kill a bill because it doesn't pinpoint Caucasian kids, but because it is open and and accessible to everyone, they're willing to kill that bill and then say it doesn't reach the root cause and then try to lean into their old um, conservative ideology and say, well, government should not be this far or this deep into the American lifestyle. These are the things that your lack of enthusiasm is going to allow to continue. When you go and pay money at the pump later today or this week, um, and you're angry that you're spending four or five, if you live in California, almost $7, I do believe, these are the things that you need to be thinking about. It can't continue to be this scapegoat of, well, I don't have any hope in them, so why would I care? The Democrats need to throw the kitchen sink and fix it. That's not based in reality and not feasible and unfair to put such a a strategy on another party who is doing their best and damnedest to make our lives incrementally better because it sucks right now. It really genuinely sucks to exist in this current era. So I don't think the Republicans have a strategy. I very much think they've given up on a strategy. I think they have become the tea party of the um, early 2010s and their mindset is how can we make sure that the Democrats never look good? And I'm getting incredibly frustrated watching progressives fall into that narrative and play into that world because the Republicans are making the Democrats look bad by not letting them pass the things and talk about the things that they are. But instead of us hampering and honing in on the harm that they're causing, we're allowing for them to skate by an election because I just don't. I wasn't too energized to vote for that Democrat or they should have picked a more progressive candidate. And it's that kind of bullshit that allows for us to hear that children are dying daily because they don't have food. Uh, Pediatricians are being overrun by malnourished children. Women are having to deal with the struggles of their own body autonomy if they aren't able to produce breast milk, which is already an inherently difficult thing for a new mother to deal with as medicine has moved forward and emphasize this need to breastfeed your own child. Like these are the points and I can't keep listening to these talking heads explain how we need to be more progressive. We need to play the game that we have now. And yeah, I agree with what you said. Honestly, the strategy is to make Dems look bad. That's just what it is. And um, I think it's just so easy but also incredibly ignorant for people to look at the gas pump and then blame the current sitting president for that. Mm-hmm. Like, just please educate yourself. <laughs> can Joe Biden do more about inflation? Yes, he can. Mm-hmm. Is he still doing stuff? Yes, he is. Take the time to understand what Joe Biden is trying to do and what Democrats and Congress are trying to do. And you know what? If these measures fail, 
in the Senate, it's not going to be, be because Democrats voted no on it. It's going to be because the 50 Senate Republicans voted no on it. And I think that's what frustrates me so much about this whole like Democrats versus Republicans narrative is it's rarely ever, oh, Republicans look bad. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's always Democrats look bad for trying to push through a good thing, but failing. They failed. What do you mean they failed? You have a whole party that's actively trying to make them look bad. Make our lives worse. Like we can't, there's so many people out there that are, it's so easy for them to sit there and go, well, Democrats aren't doing anything. Democrats aren't doing anything. Look at the other side. There's a reason why Democrats can't do everything you want them to do. And the literally the answer to that is to elect more Democrats, whether they're moderate or progressive or whatever the fuck. <laughs> literally. Even even having Joe Manchin in a Senate in the midterms, after the midterms with more Democrats is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Even if you think he's a Republican, he will still vote for a lot of Democratic things because he has been. And he I- has been, even though he's fucking annoying. He has... You don't want us. We don't want to lose that sen- that Senate seat in fucking West Virginia, that's otherwise a red state. Yeah, I don't know. There's a bigger picture here, and I just, I don't know. It fills me with a lot of a lot of desperation that people just don't realize it enough to um, understand how to vote this this these midterms. You should still vote, by the way, if you're listening to this, but. yes you should but yeah no it's just absolutely frustrating just to see the narratives play out against democrats as usual Mm -hmm. anyways let's check out the international fold Continuing our coverage on the Russia-Ukraine war, Russian forces are intensifying their attacks on Ukrainian military operatives in the eastern separatist region of Donetsk The situation on the Eastern Front is extremely difficult because the fate of this country is perhaps being decided there right now, said Ukrainian Defense Minister spokesman Alexander Movensky. Now, three months in, more than 6.5 million people have been displaced or fled due to this conflict. The war is having a continued global impact Um, contributing to recent food shortages and rising costs internationally. The Kremlin has effectively blocked Ukrainian ports as a part of its now three-month invasion, um, sending grain prices to near-record highs and stoking a major food crisis globally. India is preparing to restrict sugar exports, another act of protectivism after banning wheat sales just over a week ago, and Malaysia has also halted chicken sales abroad. Um, While this is really impacting developing nations, which is a term that we don't inherently use as much anymore, um, we're seeing a lot of these safeguards and protectivist actions take shape. And we're recognizing that this crisis can very easily spill over into other economies globally. We at Dangerous Likely will continue to update our listeners as these horrendous conflicts develop um, and keep you up to date on how they're impacting us nationally. Around the world in under a minute, Turkish President Erdogan says he no longer recognizes the Prime Minister of Greece, further refusing to meet with him during a planned summit. Um, This comes after his, or 
Turkey's recent no vote of Finland and Sweden and NATO. Um, he cites very similar reasons for why he's no longer recognizing the prime minister of Greece, highlighting that he has long believed that Greece is harboring terrorists to the Turkish country. Also, Finland and Sweden are looking to meet with Turkey's delegation to further deal with negotiations for their membership to NATO. And then a lighthearted note, something that I'm sure you'll enjoy, Caleb. Um, Brazilian President Bolsonaro uh, announced a national carbon market to help reduce greenhouse gases. While the details are a little loose, um, this is a big step in trying to reduce carbon emissions for the country. Uh, just to comment on that real quick, uh, that's a wait and see situation because Bolsonaro is a uh, quite the dictator. And I don't have a lot of confidence since he is actively destroying the Amazon rainforest every single day that um, this will be as good as it sounds. That's pretty accurate. (laughs) And we'll be right back. And we're back. Um, so as I'm sure many of you got to hear in Above the Fold, life sucks right now. <laughs> like there's no point in beating around the bush and uh, missing it. So this main segment might feel more like a tangent to some of our listeners, but I think there needs to be a pause. And Caleb and I've had a few off air conversations about this where we really get to talk about the state of what's happening right now. Um, recently the New York times posted a article, um, following some younger individuals out of China. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, China has a zero COVID policy that has increasingly, um, led to lockdowns and separation for families in the country. And something that was really interesting to come out of it as the, this New York times reporter Um, interviewed more young Chinese individuals was his recognition that they felt they were in a worse place than the lost generation. And this growing disillusionment to just the world around us. Um, When Caleb and I got to talk offline, we really hit on this idea of wanting to escape. Um, I know for both of us, We've started playing Dead by Daylight as just a game to (laughs) ignore the world for a hot second. But I personally felt that this needed to be more of a come to Jesus episode, if you will, where we got to show a little bit of our our personal issues. Um, I've shared a few tweets even that it feels like we're all collectively gaslighting each other that we're happy and we're enjoying life and things are going well when behind closed doors, we're also feeling the pains of news and a world where driving to work more than twice a day can eat up a paycheck. Um, So hopefully you guys can enjoy this moment where us as millennials and Gen Z (laughs) just get to vent and just get to really own what's happening. Release the vents. Am I right? Are we playing among us now too? (laughs) Like what? Look, I, um, I do want to make it kind of clear. Uh, I don't know. I can't speak on behalf of you, but like, obviously there's lots of 
a lot of part of my life that I'm grateful for and I appreciate and I am happy in some aspects, but like overall big picture, the world is very uncertain right now. And like, it's just a little, I don't know. When Terrell mentioned us playing a game called Dead by Daylight, which is a fantastic, you're a survivor and have to run away from the killer, just like a horror movie kind of game. Um, that's ironically the escape, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's also ironic in that game that you technically never escape. But like those kind of pieces of our culture really come in handy because like, I don't know, a lot of people think, and I've seen this from the older generations, um, think that like video games are a distraction and like, they're not great for you and stuff. But like, I just, uh, I disagree with the notion that it being a distraction is a bad thing. Obviously if I was playing it 24 seven and not doing anything with my life and had to move into my parents' basement because Mm -hmm. I actually wasn't trying and all I was doing is gaming is like, that would be a problem. But like, no, that's not what I do. Like I'm currently in the middle of a job search. I'm looking for jobs every single day. I'm putting a lot of effort into that, but you know, I've noticed myself want to do something like, Oh, jump on Xbox with a few friends rather than scroll through news stories. <laughs> and yeah. I, we're both politically minded people. We enjoy being up to date. We enjoy looking at current news, but the last, the last few weeks I have um, been a bit distracted from that, but more because I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I don't, there's been a lot of uncertainty in the last few years and I don't need that uncertainty at every mo creep. Like I don't need it to creep into my life at every single moment. Um, so sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, if this is where we wanted to take it, but I'm just, <laughs> life is uh, interesting right now in terms of big picture for me. So, And I, I think that's a, a key point too for our generation, right? And especially as we keep having this conversation around student loans, a lot of us did everything right. And I don't want to paint this as a binary as if there was a right or wrong option. Like obviously. Yeah, Terrell. <laughs> I was obviously on this podcast. I'm coming off of only having a bachelor's while Caleb, you've gone off to get a master's. But when I do say every doing everything right, there was this. Promise. Not even the promise. There was just this expectation, at least in my opinion, that you you went through high school you participated in extracurriculars you did the sports you um got the good grades you took the ap classes you took all the tests you studied for the acts or sats you passed them you applied for college you got into the college that you hopefully wanted to and then you because you did all of that the world i guess it is a promise that opened its arms to you yeah right? it, it promised you something and for our generation, it just has never felt like that. We've lived through all of the first and all of the once in a lifetime experiences. But even beyond that, we're now in a space where uh, I think to right when I started getting involved in the professional, my professional career, I remember being told, well, the best times of your life is going to be your late twenties, early thirties, because that's when you have all the money to do the things that you want to. You've established yourself in a certain place and life feels like you have a grasp on it. And me sitting here now, 27, turning 28, financially, I 
can do some things, but I can't just spontaneously move out. I mean, in our generation alone, I want to say it's an estimated 32% of millennial and Gen Zers are one medical emergency away from financial collapse. Like, it's very hard for me to understand where that deviation came from, but also how we have escaped, whether it be through our video games. For me, it's a lot of music, music TV, to still be okay with this as our reality. I, this, this kind of takes me to like a reflection of like the last few years of my life and the last few years have been up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, like I've had some fantastic opportunities and I did what was expected and mm-hmm. I enjoyed a lot of what, what it was, yeah. you know, in high school, I was involved with the student council. I played soccer the whole time. I really enjoyed doing those things, but that was also kind of the expectation that I do more than just go to school and go home. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I go to college, um, um, in state college and also got involved and I didn't know how involved I wanted to be, to be honest, but I got really involved. I got very involved (laughs) in the student government and, um, may have been president or something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's actually how Trell and I met, which is fun, but like, a lot like getting that involved opened a lot of doors for me. You know, it allowed me to like develop relationships with people. I probably would have never been able to develop relationships with if I wasn't, if I didn't choose to do what I did. And like, that's great. When the pandemic hit, I kind of had this sense of dread because it was three months, maybe two months before um, uh, my graduation for my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And I, like many others, just kind of felt like the world, it was like a, the world was the rug and it was pulled out from under me. And I, I went home and I felt stuck for a long time. And, and it was actually my parents who, who said, maybe you should think about grad school. And I really uh, am grateful that they <laughs> talked to me about that because I was just so stuck and didn't know what to do um, because I, you know, I felt when I felt like just a year or two before that, that the world was opening up to me, mm-hmm. it immediately closed. And like, don't get me wrong. There's a ton of people just like me. Almost everyone had their lives upended in some way for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I know it's a pretty universal feeling for the most part. Um, but, you know, I, whether it's a good thing or not, you know, life is seems to be kind of normalizing again, maybe um, in terms of like what it was before. I, I don't think it'll ever be like it was before. Um, um, or as it was, as Harry Styles would say, but <laughs> I guess like life, I've always expected life to have its ups and downs. You know, there's, there's places where I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll feel like, wow, like it's, I feel like the world is at my feet. Like, I feel like I can really pursue whatever I want and stuff. But the last couple of years have put me like in this drought of sorts of which I've had to kind of rethink and relearn a little bit that like I can still actually go and do stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I, that's obviously my perspective on a broader scale. You know, I feel like I'm pretty lucky because like, I still, I still do have 
I, I think I'm in a, even though I don't have a job quite yet, I still feel like I'm in a position that a lot of other people, especially over the last decade and whatnot, and my generation and in the millennial generation, uh, just didn't have. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I don't know where I'll be in my late twenties when apparently you're supposed to have all the money in the world and supposed to be able to function. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I'll be. Uh, let me fucking get a job first. <laughs> But, but like, I guess like, I think that there's just, it's interesting that there's like this expectation and we've had this conversation with the student loan debt Mm -hmm. um, and why we think Biden should cancel some of it at least is, you know, there was this promise of like the American dream, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you go to college and you're, you're guaranteed to have a a better job or you're guaranteed to make this much more than someone who doesn't go to college, you know? And that's why you see so many people, even if they can't necessarily afford it, going to college for that better life, for that American dream. And like, if anything in the last like 15 years has told us, it's that that American dream has just not been reachable. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. That's probably a larger discussion. I mean, certainly the pandemic and the financial crisis of 2008 certainly kind of threw threw that away for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there was a lot in between, but yeah, I don't know. Terrell, I don't know if I answered what question you were asking there, but no. I just kind of went on a little rant about life and where I'm at and where the generations might be. And, but know. I also think you brought up a really good point that um, my supervisor highlighted, right? Is we're having this conversation right now and, I don't want to speak for you speaking for myself. I am in a space where I do have an apartment that I'm comfortable in. I have a vehicle. I like I'm, I'm in a space of privilege and that is important to recognize here. Um, but my supervisor highlighted this really important thing that as we are feeling pressures in our place of privilege, that dualism between uh, the well-off and the not well-off, if you will. Again, I hate binary. So this is really a struggle for me it's to talk about. It's just always more complicated than that. That in between though is starting to feel the strains and constraints that millions have been feeling throughout the pandemic and prior. And I think it's it's rooted in that this sense of anguish and, and frustration of like, life should be better than this for everyone, right? When you drive through Boise and you pass um, homeless populations and you see in real time individuals who are just trying to make it to the next day while you are also feeling that same way, but not to the same grievous. It's those perspectives that I think for me personally have started to, to spin and cause this sense of why are we even trying? What do we need to do? But then to have a conversation with another friend offline um, and talk about this concept of finding ways to escape and finding ways to to exist and recognizing that even in that there's barriers and there's this this inherent problem. Like it's not easy for people to truly just escape. Their life is always in their foreview. But even if you think about it from a very um, material standpoint, the idea of moving and moving to a different place, especially as we're having these conversations about abortion, just aren't 
attainable to a large portion of Americans. And you have these populations that are in a space of, well, if you're really not having a good time, like try something new or go somewhere else. And it's that constant separation of reality that is starting to, for me, become a struggle in how do how do I teach someone or help someone understand that that's not a reality for me at this moment in time. I can't just move unless my job's going to pay for it. Yeah. Um, just get up and get out of here. Like that's not how it works. We don't live in the nineties, eighties, seventies, if you will, where that was feasible. We live in a time now where there's a lot of planning that goes into it. And there's a lot of inherent feelings of being stuck. I think for our generation of, yeah, I'm here. I, I enjoy my job. I'm doing what I think I love. But even if I wanted to find something else, it's just not possible. And inflation certainly isn't helping with that. What? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that like to an extent we can put away a little bit. Like obviously more people, other people have privileges that others don't. But I think that there is this collective feeling of like, it's just a little dreary out there. You know, it's, it's, we're being weighed down by inflation. Um, I don't know if this is, I think this, I don't know how universal this is, but like me going through the job search, I've looked through probably several thousand jobs over the last couple of weeks in the vast, vast, vast majority of them are for senior management positions that are, you know, eight to 12 plus years of experience. And it's like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that I'm, I'm not actively trying to look for those, you know, I'm trying to filter out like, I'm just, I don't know. It's, it's like, it just feels like despite the labor, like labor being hot right now. And despite us like not having a huge or a high unemployment rate, um, inflation obviously goes against this, but like mm-hmm. it, it, I don't know. I'm I'm in this place right now where I'm unsure of where I'm going to be next. And don't get me wrong, I'm pretty excited for the change that I will go through this year. And I'm I I'm actually like more I'm not as scared about moving and stuff and all the costs that come with it as much as I'm scared about not finding a job mm-hmm. to do all that in the first place. And so like I know there's like probably other people that are in my position and there's others that are in jobs that are just not doing it for them very well um, in terms of like financial well-being and stuff. But I, I think that there's like this collective like burnout, I think is how we, how we uh, termed it. Just, Just burnout of like the world around us and like the things that are affecting our lives and like, being into politics as we are, I'm definitely going to turn around and say, well, like a lot of this stuff can be changed. We just have to vote. So go out there and vote, please. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I mean, you got Ukraine, the world order is over. I mean, that was the headline even now, mm-hmm. even up till now. And it's like, yes, it is. This is a really big deal. It is a huge deal. It's a tragedy. It's it's really sad to see this happen and the school shootings and the Buffalo shooting and all of this stuff. It it I feel like it comes in waves for us. You know, 
there's like the news cycle of just like, oh, Democrats are bad because they can't pass stuff, even though it should be focusing on the Republican Party um, for most of it, which we've already talked hit on in this episode. But like, there's this kind of that regular news cycle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's the the wave of, bam, abortion might be gone. Bam, Buffalo shooting. Bam, Ukraine is being attacked by Russia. The world order is over as we know it. Inflation. And it's just like, I'm, I'm sure there will be a few months before the midterms where it'll be kind of back towards the regular politics news cycle for a little bit and then it'll we'll be hit with another wave of shitty things that oh it could have just been so different Mm -hmm. if we could have just passed this simple law (laughs) i mean it's a core complicated in many situations but i just it's 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 i'm getting burned out of like because i'm i'm i think i'm an optimistic person but i'm getting the burnout of the feeling of like there's things that we can do right now to fix so many issues, but there's a one side actively against it. And one side that has a party within it that is actively working against them (laughs) because it's somehow their fault that we are in this position because Democrats can't pass anything Mm -hmm. and no one wants to take the time to go, Oh wait, why is that? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm getting burnout from having relatively simple solutions, but it taking a making but 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 people actively working against those solutions at all times. It's just a little bit mind numbing. <laughs> well, it's funny you highlight that too because a recent CNN poll. Um, found that only 14% of Americans are excited about the excited or optimistic about the way that the country's going. Um, And when you get into the numbers, you actually see that Democrats are a little bit more positive than Republicans with a 19 to nine split, but ask me after the midterms, (laughs) (laughs) there's this, there's this feeling, right? And I think that's why I appreciate the space and uh, I'm glad that we are able to just have a free flowing space with no agenda or no real thing to carry because it does feel like after the pandemic, now that things are opening up and we're moving into a, a world that is just operating, that people have gone back to what life was like pre-COVID. Um, I would say trying to. Yeah, that's what I mean. People are trying, but we're doing such a successful job at trying that it feels like, oh, every everything's back. And it's spaces like this and opportunities like this that are important for, I personally feel the populace to hear that, no, there there are people who are feeling this way. Don't, don't feel further isolated by everything that is happening and the personal struggles that you might be going through when really, truly, this is a generational and societal feeling. I think that like people are trying to be back to normal. I think we all are to an extent because like, yeah, I mean, the pandemic kind of shut us down. You know, we weren't around as many people as we would like to be half the time for many. Um, And, you know, now I don't have that much of an issue going to a restaurant with a few friends and like having a good time. But like, 
there's always this kind of undercutting dread or anxiety that like, oh, well, I might get COVID from hanging out, even though it doesn't, even though it doesn't feel like it's as big of a deal, but of course that comes in waves quite literally. Um, that, oh, I might get COVID. I might not get a paycheck for two weeks. Oh, I might, I don't know, something might happen. <laughs> Someone might hit my car or some shit, you know? You, there's just under, there's this dread of like, I've I've had it a little bit like, like I'm going on a little trip to Montana, which I'm pretty excited about, but like gas is so expensive. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it feels like it wasn't that long ago when I could fill up my whole tank for like $36 and yeah. now it's like 70 or $80. And it's about like, two years ago. Yeah. So I just like, it's funny too, is like I, the gas station I go to, I got the little rewards program and it's like, oh, you get 60 cents off. And normally that's like, yay, but it was still four fucking dollars a gallon. And it's like, it's one of those things that like, that's just what the reality is. And obviously it can be changed. Um, and we've talked about placing blame and shit like that, but like, it still sucks. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I think that's the way to describe it. It's like, Ask me after the midterms about where I think the country's going. And because um, <laughs> I know inflation and high gas prices are usually temporary. Um, but that doesn't mean it's there's not this undercurrent of like dread and a little bit of anxiety mixed in uh, in the meantime. So let me close this with this since we've kind of already been on a tangent and maybe not necessarily need one. Um you mentioned waves and you mentioned how things come in waves. Do you feel like this era of dread and this um, feeling the need to escape reality is just one of those historical cycles? Do you think that mm -hmm. we are at the beginning of the cycle, the middle of the cycle or the end of the cycle? But also, <laughs> do you just think that this is a cycle or is it something inherently different that we're all just trying to collectively process? all of the above <laughs> i i um i actually like uh to get slightly nerdy here for a second i'm pretty interested in what's like consumer behavior in general which is a little bit tiny bit of the economic side of me so probably why you got an mba but continue <laughs> maybe um well i'm i'm just curious about like messaging and how branding like affects people and their decisions and stuff and like something really interesting is that nobody changed. And what I mean by that is like companies and their branding didn't change right away. I mean, they kind of did depending on what you're looking at. Um, but for certain products didn't change right away when the pandemic began. Right. But like things like video game consoles are still on a shortage because people started buying them like crazy uh, when the pandemic began, because it's like, Oh, we're all fucking sitting at home bored. And like, Things like that can still, when there was like a huge search for like services and like video call and games and stuff online that you could play with your friends while sitting at home um, and not getting COVID. Um, and like, I mean, consoles and gaming PCs really offer that kind of escape uh, where you're still getting that interaction you so crave, uh, but you're not getting COVID and um like it's still that you're still getting that mental stimulation to an extent. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I think it is probably just a wave. Like, I don't 
there's been eras like this in American history and world history before. There's been pandemics in the past that people wore masks for and stuff, thinking of the uh, Spanish flu. Um, I... I do, I really do believe that there's like light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I do believe that COVID will become less and less of a worry as the next, as the months and years go by, basically. I think we're already starting to hit a point where it's not as big of a deal. Hopefully it stays that way and only becomes less and less. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're hitting a point where inflation might, even if it's really slow, might start to tick down a little bit. Um, I don't know about gas prices, but economically... Like these things, they take a little bit of time. They feel like forever in the moment, but in all reality, they don't usually last that long. Mm-hmm. So I do think that like, it's weird too, because like the American economy is not in like the worst spot in the world. Like, like I said, like the labor market is hot right now, you know? Um, and we have very low unemployment and that's great. But so I, w- I would, I would lean towards it's, it's just a wave. It's just a wave of reality that, isn't the greatest at the moment, but I am confident that we'll get through it. What do you think? You're more optimistic than me. Got to, got to still show off a little bit of that optimism. No, I in preparation for today's episode. I was on TikTok and per usual, and some, <laughs> uh, a TikToker came up and mentioned that, they notice a historical context here um, specifically following after the Spanish flu and how it led into the roaring twenties where people felt that they could go out and party and, and live their lives again. And not too long after the roaring twenties, we go into the great depression. Um, and something that she mentioned that stuck with me is the advancement in medicine and the way that we responded. So in that time, when things shut down, they truly did shut down. And there was a much harder stop to the world as countries isolated, as people tried to grapple with what this flu meant versus for us, we truly were only shut down for a matter of months. And then there was hopes of a vaccine popping up. We were able to say, yeah, well, if you wear this amount of face facial covering and you keep this amount of ventilation, you can start to open up. So really, truly, there was never that complete and total just break. And I know people are going to push back against that because obviously we all sheltered in place for several months. But her highlighting that and then pointing out like, yeah, I feel like we're just jumping into our roaring 20s a little bit earlier than it would have happened in that time. I I do think that this is something unexperienced, but a historical wave that is just moving faster because advancements have been made in the world that make things move faster. And let's just leave out the great depression part. Okay. I make no promises on that one. I just, (laughs) I, I genuinely felt more comfort in that because it does feel like we're running the track, if you will. Um, We've been on this track before. We know it well, but for some reason it seems like it's been shortened and we're getting closer to doing a lap than we have before. Yeah. Well, Terrell, I believe you have some words for the end of this segment. We've released the vents. I hope this was an enjoyable episode for our audience. Another Among Us reference. I like it. I like (laughs) it. Probably the name of the episode right there. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I, uh, I think that what we really wanted to accomplish with this episode was not necessarily that there was like a point or theme other than just what reality is at the moment. But I think we why like we our mission really is trying to provide a generational perspective on politics and news and culture and stuff. And our tangent segment specifically has has been kind of like we take the politics and the news in more structured segments and then our tangents are really to open up space for our own personal generational perspectives on things that are happening around the world. And I think the point of the segment was that, you know, sometimes, sometimes ourselves need to create that space for that generational perspective um, that we are experiencing. And that's, that's what today was all about. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dangerously underscore likely or email us at dangerously likely at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening for notifications of our new episodes and drop a like slash rating um, wherever you might be listening. I'm Terrell Couch. I'm Caleb Smith. We're Dangerously Likely. To see you next week.